today as we come before the Lord. You know, it's phenomenal readings today when it comes right down to it. You know, the first reading everybody go to, it's Genesis chapter 20 or 22, I think, I'm not sure. Genesis chapter 22, sorry. Genesis 22. Now again, the author's Scott Peck. You know, and if you don't have a Bible, you can look in your missalette if you want, but you should always bring a Bible to church. The author, Scott Peck, who wrote The Road Less Traveled and a bunch of other books, uh, did not become a Christian for years. In fact, he only became a Catholic about five years ago. And the main reason he would not become a Christian was because of this story. He sat there and he couldn't believe that God would ask someone to give up their only son. You know, now, he didn't know anything about the history, of course, of what was happening there. You know, that those days there was many gods, if you will, with a small g. And all these gods, especially Baal, B-A-A-L, talked about, and Moab, there's a bunch of them, about uh, children. They had to sacrifice their firstborn children to their gods. And so when Abraham hears God, and he, God says, Abraham, and he says, yes, God, and he says, I want you to take your son, your only one, who you love, and offer him up to me. When he said that, he was looking for everything. His son, you know, he's okay, God, you're just like anybody else. You're like all these other gods. If that's what you want me to do, that's what I'll do. And so again, and some of you know this, this is for the other ones that don't. He goes and he takes his son Isaac. Isaac, of course, was not just a kid of 12. He could have been as old as 33. They go and they take him up. And he puts the wood of the sacrifice on the back of Isaac. Remember, this is Lent. Get this. He takes the wood of the sacrifice and he puts it on the back of his son Isaac. And Isaac carries the wood of the sacrifice up the hill. He also has the fire. And Isaac looks at his father Abraham and says, Father, here is the wood and here is the fire. But where is the lamb for sacrifice? And then the prophecy out of Abraham's mouth says, God himself will provide the lamb. Now look at that in chapter 22, huh? Verse 7. As the two walked together, Isaac spoke to his father Abraham. Father, he said, yes, son. He replied, here is the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Son Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the holocaust. Then the two continued. Now then he takes his son Isaac and he ties him up. He puts him on the altar and he goes to kill his only son. Now again, we'd think this man was nuts today. But in those days, they just, there was a bigger custom, very big custom. And so he goes to offer up his son, and God the Father says, don't you dare lay a hand on that boy. And then the prophecy is fulfilled 2,000 years later. Huh? Because what happens here, he says, Abraham, don't you prove that you love me by giving up your son. I will prove that I love you by giving up my son. And now look at that. Go to John chapter 1, verse 29. John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day when John caught sight of Jesus coming toward him, he exclaimed, Look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So the very first thing you see, God himself provided the lamb. You get it? And if it still didn't ring clear to you, you go to Romans 8, which was the second reading today. Romans 8, verse 31. 
Romans 8, verse 31, and it says here, what shall we say after that? If God is for us, who can be against it? Verse 32, how powerful this fits in to the readings. Is it possible that he who did not spare his own son for our sake will not grant us all things besides? You know, sometimes we question whether God loves us. God proved that he loved us by giving up his only son for us. He had nothing else to give. He couldn't do anything more. You know what those old gods expected, and they weren't gods, they were demons. And then he says, you give up your son for me. God looked, if Scott Peck would have realized that, he realizes it now. But he'd have become a Christian in a second, because our God does not demand that. He demands it of himself. You see, this is a God of justice who becomes a God of mercy. Again. In the Old Testament, when God said, if you do this, you shall die to Adam and Eve, they did it. God is not a liar. They have to fulfill the penalty. God's justice must be served. God cannot be anything other than a God of justice. But then he says, I love my people. How will I fulfill up, fill up my own justice? I know. I will become one of them. And I will pay their penalty in myself and then in the person of Jesus Christ who is God God pays his own justice you get that that's how we can reconcile the God of mercy and the God of justice he fulfills his own justice and that's what we call mercy that God loves to have mercy on us you know again and again and again our God is the God of mercy you know I always get in fights at prep because we throw people out and me and we go back and forth and I say they say they deserve to be thrown out and I say I deserve hell too but God gives me mercy so we need to have mercy you know that's all they talk about. all you talk about is mercy you got it that's all there is is mercy and God says if you give mercy then I'll give mercy to you so we got to be first of all know that we have mercy on us that God does everything in his power as God to save us he loves us and he has such mercy on us and then we've got to be merciful to others. But now let's go to the gospel today. The gospel is in Mark, okay? Mark chapter eight, 9, verses 2 and following. Here he goes, and the transfiguration happens. And as the transfiguration happens, he goes up with his three best friends, Peter, James, and John. As they get up there, Jesus is transfigured, and Moses and Elijah are there. Moses represents the law elijah represents the prophets that's the whole thing the whole jewish religion is based on the law and the prophets jesus is with them is transformed to show that he is now the fulfillment of the law and the prophets huh now if you don't get it god the father makes it clear because now he speaks from heaven and he says this is my beloved son now remember, what was the transfiguration preparing Jesus for? The cross, Calvary. It was preparing him to die. So God wants to make it clear to us, this is my beloved son. Abraham, you see, I myself have provided my lamb, my son. This is my son. And then he says to each of us, listen to him. 
Now, again, this is our call then. We are called to listen to Christ. You know, and we've got to be doing that. You know, like last night I had Mass at St. Joseph's, and I talked about the same exact thing, of course, and I said, listen, you've got to be listening to God every day. That's not an option. When God looks at us and says, listen, that means every day you've got to be spending time listening. If you spent time watching TV yesterday, but you didn't spend any time listening to God, that's a shame because you listen to TV. If you read all your novels yesterday because you know like you like to read novels, that's very nice, but didn't spend any time listening to God, that's a problem. To listen to God, you've got to do two things, and please do this if you're not doing it for Lent. Most of you here from the parish, I know, do this every day. I'm just wasting my time. But for everybody else and some of the people that don't do it in Lent from my parish, the two things you've got to do to listen to God is, first of all, every day, give time for silence. Simple. You can say your rosary, the first thing we do every morning here in the parish, huh? we say the rosary together at 6 o'clock. And then we do the reading, the church day, we do the, the, uh, the officer uh, morning prayer. And then we have a half hour, half hour of active and a half hour of silence. You need at least five minutes of your day every day to be listening to the Lord. He says, shut up now, I want to tell you what I want to do with you. I want to tell you. So do you have a daily time for silence? Very important. And in that silence, before you go into your la-la land, you've got to sit there and say, okay, Lord, speak. I'm listening. What do you want to tell me today? Okay, first thing. The second way we need to be listening to the Lord every day is again right here, the Word of God. Now, please, if you don't have your own Bible, go buy one. I'll give you two days. By tomorrow, you all need your own Bible. This is not a suggestion, I'm telling you as the priest. Go get a Bible. Get the New American Bible for Catholics. Don't waste your time on all those other things. The New American Bible for Catholics have the Catholic footnotes right on the bottom. And you need to know what the church says about that because only the church can interpret the scripture. Only the church, because who wrote the Bible? The church, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you need a good Catholic Bible with the footnotes on it. You also need a good Catholic Bible, too, because the King James Version does not have nine of the, well, seven of the books of the Old Testament, which we do, because we use the Septuagint. Now, once you've got your own Bible, then you never let a day go by where you don't read from that Word of God. The Word of God got to be teaching you. You've got to be listening by reading. And again, it's like some of you have heard of me a thousand times, no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. You don't go and have breakfast in the morning until you've read from the Word of God, and you don't go to bed at night until you've read from the Word of God. And if you do this, that means you are listening to God every day. You're starting your day in Him, and you're ending your day in Him. You are being a person that is enveloped in the Word of God. And now you're listening to the God who loves you so He can tell you how He wants you to live your life. Very important. We can't just know that we're loved by God. That's all anybody wants to really know anymore. Does God love me? Oh, yes, I'm so loved of God. You are very loved of God. But now, that love demands responsibility from you. And the responsibility you have to respond to that love is that you listen to him and you let his word now shape your life. That when you're wondering, what should I do? You look into his word and let the word of God tell you how to live every day of your life. Not MTV, not the television set, not novels, 
not Oprah, not the soul in search, whatever, not these weird New Age books. The Word of God must be telling you how to live. Period. So, today, what have we talked about? We've talked about the reality that God is a God of justice. He fulfills His own justice in His Son. God is a God of love in the fact that instead of Him asking us to give up our children, He gives up His child for us. And this God of love reveals Himself in His Son, and He demands that we listen to Him. And the two ways to listen to God is by silence, be still and know that I am God, and by spending time every day in the Word. You got it? You get it? Good. May each of you know His love today and forever. Amen.